Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 44 of Material Issues. I'm Mark Hirschberger. Joining me, as always, from the other coast, the president of the International Pop Overthrow Festival and my very good friend for the last 40-odd years. They've been odd. <laughs> Not Mr. <laughs> Mr. David Bash. How are you, David? Hey, Mark. <laughs> great, great to see you again. Yeah, I mean... They've certainly been odd, but there haven't been 40 of them. No, nah, no, nah, it's not I'm been really 40. And a lot of them have been odd, but uh, wonderfully odd. Uh, always odd, yeah. You know, we, we've uh, we've enjoyed we've enjoyed each other's company, record shopping, IPOing, Liverpool, everywhere, LA. Tons and tons of laughs. Having tons and tons of laughs. Uh, everything good with IPO? Uh, yeah, I see your book great. more and more. Everything's great. I'm. Uh, I've got a there, there's a decent chance that we'll be back in the San Francisco venue that we that we were in for the past seven years. Hotel Utah, just uh, crossing the I's and dotting the T's or vice versa. Um, and hopefully we work that out. Uh, everything else is great. I just announced today that we will be doing an IPO compilation this year, volume 23. And, and it will be our 23rd year in Accord. Uh, we're doing it again with Omnivore Records, who are just the best people. And, you know, a, an amazing label, uh, both reissue yeah. and, and current. And so I'm very, very excited about that. Let's see what else happened. Oh, stupidly, I left my wallet in my pants when I put them in, in the washing machine. So <laughs> I, I had to get a new wallet. Thank God the credit card ma uh, magnet strips. Hey George. hey, George. Thank God the magnet strips uh, didn't become ineffectual. But um, I did have to get a new Vax card because that got yeah, there you go. pretty much destroyed by all the water. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's all good. Amazon has wallets. You have them yep. within a day. Yeah, that's good. Well, I wanted to, you know, we've had uh, we've had Frank Sesich on uh, of uh, Blue Ash and Steve Bader's The Deadbeat Poets. And I just wanted to do a little plug for his book, Circumstantial Evidence. It's now like in the fourth printing or whatever. So if people haven't picked up Circumstantial Evidence, which is Frank's uh, wonderful book on his time with Blue Ash and Steve Bader's and the Dead Boys, uh, uh, Post Bader's and uh, of course Deadbeat Poets and of course, where's uh, where's Mr. Chapter on uh, Mark Hirschberger? Thank you very much. Oh, wow. Yeah, read read all about Mark Hirschberger mm -hmm. in, in this book. But pick it up; it's a great book. I, I know I know Frank is is thrilled that it keeps selling out of the prints and it's back into another printing, which is cool. But, and uh, um, today is National Puppy Day. National Puppy Day. You've got as a couple David, there. As David knows, I have a brand new foster doggy named Biscuit. She's kind of part pit bull, part hound, part just completely part good girl. And uh, I've been we, enjoying can her. A, can we get no. a shot of her? No, she went. I don't know where she went. She's off protecting the house um, or looking for Chez, my other dog. But um, yeah, wonderful so dog. Tell, yeah. tell everyone how, how you came to uh, acquire well, she was She was uh, in a kill shelter in Tennessee and uh, just like two days from being put down. And somebody posted uh, on Facebook, and a friend of mine reposted and showed a little video of her shaking violently in this in this shelter in Tennessee. And because she looked like my other dog, I couldn't handle it. So I made some phone calls, got her pulled out of the kill shelter, um, and and held by somebody until I could arrange transport via One Love Rescue up here, all the way up to New Jersey, which happened on Saturday. And she got off the transport van shaking tail between her legs scared to death on saturday and here we are four days later and she is uh, as happy as can be and the best dog just a fantastic loving gentle dog it just uh it just fills my heart so she's uh, all, all kidding aside that was a really magnanimous thing you did uh, i just love I thank you I, I love dogs uh and i can't i can't stand to see them suffering if i had a farmette i'd probably have a dozen dogs running around, but um, not too late. Those are dreams. Dreams. I hang yeah. on to dreams all the time, you know, but it's good. What do we got going on tonight, my friend? Well, speaking of dreams, we have uh, three dreamy ladies for uh, for everybody mm -hmm. this evening. 
<laughs> I know you do that at the restaurant. Yes, so. indeed. I uh, sing and play. Anyway, I've had the pleasure of knowing these ladies for a few years now. Uh, they front a band, uh, a really cool pop rock band out of New York City. And uh, you know, definitely, definitely a band on the rise. And as I, as I, <laughs> as I describe, so deftly described, I'll use, I'll, I'll use D's here. So deftly described in my Facebook post, they're the paragons of pulchritude. And let me look, uh, let me look that one up really quick. Yeah, yeah, please. <laughs> where did I first hear? You know where I first heard the word pulchritude? Actually, yeah. well, I think it was from Howard Cosell, who of course always showed off. Yeah. I think he was talking about Aaron Gray. Yeah. On 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 what was the celebrity sports show on ABC? Yeah, uh, whatever they called that. Yeah, where they had all the different celebrities doing. Howard had this thing for Aaron Gray, and. Uh, <laughs> He'd always say, and here she is, the lice one, Aaron Gray, just a prime example of pulchritude. And it's like, <laughs> so I had to look it up, of course. And even, here, Bugs, even Bugs Bunny said it in one, in, uh, one of his episodes. <laughs> when he saw Daisy or whatever the female rabbit was, it was right. Right. What, a, what a hunk of feminine pulchritude. And you saw his heart like, Bouncing out of his chest, it's great stuff. Anyway, I digress. Um, I love it. These uh, uh, this band has some really cool songs, and I want an album, ladies. I yep. really do. Yep. Well, we're going to bring them on so they can talk about uh, their the band, their careers, their lives, their loves, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Would you please give a huge welcome to Tiffany, Margaret, and KG of Sly Boots? And there they are. Have, have, yeah. any, have any of you seen the show Hello, Ladies? No. Yes. Yes. Oh, you have? Yes. Yeah, I, I, I was going to give this whole buildup, but since you've seen it, <laughs> uh, and, you know, this is what always happens to me. Ladies just derail me all the time. I have these things prepared, and then it's like, well, just put it, I'm kind of the Stephen Merchant of pop, although I'm not six seven. I'm not British. Uh, I, but outside I, of that, you're I, identical to Stephen Merchant. Old. The I resemblance am, is remarkable. Yeah, I, know, I, I, I am old, uh, so I do sometimes say uh, I do sometimes put my foot in my mouth with women, and I I say things that are benevolent. Inappropriate. You go. <laughs> oh my God. I'm so flustered. Um, seriously, how Mark how the heck are... know me now. How, um, how how is everyone? Great. Everybody. Good. Really Thank good. you very much. Nice to see you. Uh, David has met you in person, but this is the first time I'm meeting Tiffany, Margaret, and KG. It's an absolute pleasure. I've been uh, um, listening to the tracks on Bandcamp, and as David said, we're waiting on waiting on more, and we're waiting on an album. We want an um, album, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's up to KG. Hey, get busy. It's been you know, it's been plenty of time downtime. None of this uh, download only crap. We want physical. <laughs> no, like you said, when we get enough material together, then yeah, we'll maybe we'll get in. We'll get physical with it. But uh, <laughs> for now, we're gonna do one track at a time because you know. We're working, and uh, yeah. we gotta we gotta do it when we can, how we can. So sure. yeah, we got some more songs coming out soon too. So there's more. And I know. The, I know the pandemic was really rough on, on all of you. Yeah. yeah, indeed. But you know what we got. What we got. We like. Uh, I was. Uh, I was sitting. I guess yesterday I was listening to the three tracks that are on on Bandcamp, and um, I kind of described it in my head as ethereal. You know, it's it's uh, it's 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 very petite with a, a lovely beauty to it. Um, many people describe goth music as ethereal, but it's nowhere near that. It's 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 more of a nice landscape and a nice painting. Um, so kudos, KG. Uh, great bass work, Margaret, and the vocals, Tiffany. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm digging it. I'm digging it. So Because what David said, I'm, I, I got this band coming on Sly Boots. I said, I, I knew the name, but I didn't know the band that well. So it was time to start listening, um, and 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 real quickly, KG, you're you're the songwriter behind the three songs, 
that I heard on Bandcamp, correct? Yeah, but the whole band crafts the songs together and, you know. Okay. All yeah. right. Lyrically, lyrically, um, what's the best word for it? Um, not, not. Uh, I mean, what am I trying to say here? Lyrically, a, a, a bit gray. <laughs> is that a good word for it? Purple? If that's what it is to you. Well, I mean, it's it's uh it's not shiny happy people purple yeah uh, type thing. It, it's yeah. uh, very it's very it, it comes from it almost to me it sounds like it comes from a place of of hurt and um, some sadness uh, in some ways. Um, am it I right? It could be. Yeah, I think of them as introspective. Hmm. Okay, that's the word I was looking for. Introspective. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, have a good night, everybody. I, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> no. Okay, so David, you're now. <laughs> no. Um, How can I yeah, follow that? that? Um, yeah, that, that's kind of, you know, because on Bandcamp, it's cool. I could read the lyrics as I was listening to everything, which uh, I'm a big lyric guy, a uh, huge fan of bands like Klaatu, where the lyrics take me to, a, to another place in time. And, um, you know, not to get too deep, but, you know, I, I like to, I like to read between the lines sometimes and say, "Where is this person coming from with this?" And I hate when when I hate when people writers say to me, "Oh, I don't know. I just sat down. It means absolutely nothing to me. I, I just made this stuff up." Um, it's it's hard to do that when you're three for three uh, on those songs. I'm like, "Yeah, okay. K KG's got some deep stuff going on. Let's talk to her about it tonight because this is material issues." Okay. It's kind of like when you at, when you ask actors about certain certain roles they played, and you're hoping that they're going to give you some deep treatise about them. And and all they do is shrug their shoulders and say, oh, it's just a job. It's like, yeah. oh, God, really? Come on. Can't you do better than that? Yeah, but, you know, music encompasses everything. So I think that for us, the three songs that we put out first are more introspective because it sort of suited us better. And certainly, I think Tiffany's really channeling the moods really beautifully. And I think she was relating to those really strongly. So um, that's part of it. But certainly, you know, we have some poppier stuff and I've definitely written lighter things. So it's not, you know, everybody's human and experiences a wide variety of moods. And sure. so they can come out in different songs. Um, and, but, and, yeah. and speaking of Tiffany uh, uh, performing these songs and lyrics, uh, wonderfully, Tiffany. What? Uh, how, how? How did? How do you get into those lyrics? What you know? Wh where do you find the emotions to to do what you do with them and, uh, um, and and sing from from wherever place you're coming from and make it real and make it real. Yeah, you know, I think I have such an amazing experience working with KG as the songwriter, and you know, when we get into rehearsal, a little bit of time to like really sit with the music and, and sit with the lyrics and I go into rehearsal and I'm like, do you know what this reminds me of? Like I'm driving down a foggy path, like in New Hampshire, when I go and visit friends or family and I'm like, it, it's kind of like a mental image. So then it's like, okay, how would I be singing if I trip? What am I thinking about? And, and the word KG used is so important of introspective because it takes you someplace else. And I think that's such a special thing about KG's writing is they all have a setting, you know, yeah. and that setting is going to be different for everybody. And where I go with it is not going to be the same place that I, the people who I'm singing in front of it is going to go. But I try to be kind of as true to those feelings that I'm feeling so I can convey kind of the background, the grayness um, of, of the song. Yeah. Yeah, and that's very important because K KG can write from uh, you know a personal place or an introspective place, but when she hands the lyrics over to someone uh, like you and says, you know, here, here's, you know, you can make or break everything that she's thought in her head if you can't pull it off, um, and then it's all for naught, you know. Um, but often she comes up with entirely different colors, and I suddenly start to hear other nuances and other possibilities that I hadn't considered before. And that's what I really, really like. And that's right. what I think is really special about Tiffany, that she really, you know, she's she's not just one color. It, like suddenly it it mutates and it has all these different aspects. And I I even hear the songs in a very different light once she interprets them. And that's 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 a real gift. 
you know, for every, every good band, ha, every, with every good band, it's a gestalt experience. It's yeah. every good band is the you know the better than, or greater than the sum of their parts, and I, I definitely see that with you. How did, you, you, have, how did you? How did you all meet? How did the band form? Do I do I take that one? Yeah. <laughs> um, wants it. We all met um, through the amazing. We call him the Godfather, Sal Maida. Um, I met Sal at an Irish festival in Rockway Beach when I was singing Sinead O'Connor, Nothing Compares to You. And Sal came to me after the gig and, and was like, you know, what do you want to do with music? And I'm like, I'm looking for a band. He's like, I think I got someone for you. So um, that was, that was what, 2019, 2018? Yeah. <laughs> And we met and, you know, I went a couple of times just to like feel it out. And we recognized, you know, we all kind of work in the same field in different sectors, but in the same field. Um, and, and we just clicked. And from there, you know, KG trusted me um, with some lyrics, some music, and it's just been going from there. And now it's like a sisterhood. Um, I talk to them multiple times a week and yeah, it's, it's amazing making music with these ladies. And there's no pressure there because uh, Sal Maida, uh, right, Margaret, is not a bad bass player himself. No, he's a, gr he's a great bass player. <laughs> <laughs> he's like my favorite bass player. <laughs> I, I, I was just going to say, I mean, Tiffany and KG, great, but like someone's got to really overperform to impress Sal Maida, and that would be the bass player. <laughs> <laughs> Well, naturally, yeah. <laughs> Sal was our first guest on Material yeah. Issues 40 yeah. weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, that, that's good. So, uh, back, I had a real quick question before we get back into how everybody else got into the band. But uh, would you write KG? Do you, do you think of bass lines, or is Margaret bringing bringing the bass ideas completely from her angle? Uh, it depends. Sometimes there's been a bass line, but a lot of times I put in placeholders basically just so that I can hear the concept. Right. And then I give it to Margaret and, you know, she fleshes it out in her own style and her own way. And again, generally the songs evolve both in rehearsals and then once we get to the studio. So it it is almost never the same as the original demo that I make of the concept. Yeah. And I'm okay with that because it, sure. it goes in a direction that I could never have anticipated or, or you know, have no. planned if I wanted to. Yeah, I, I think uh, it's tough to just completely uh, own everything and, and want everything your own way. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of happiness in that, but you get into the collaborative process um, and, th and things will grow and become much better if you allow the other influences to say, you know what, this right here should be, you know, more along this lines. What do you think? And then it, it just builds into something much, much more than what you originally you originally planned and that's a great yeah, thing so when kg brings the blueprint in we keep on hashing it out and sometimes like kg will change her guitar part and if she's changing her guitar part then the bass part changes and then if the bass part changes the vocal inflection changes and so and then we tend to just throw as many ideas into the pot as possible right. so i'll come up with like a bunch of different bass parts like maybe kg gave me a, a blueprint maybe it was a blank slate it doesn't matter and then all these different ideas like oh let's try this idea let's try that idea and then she'll be like i'm gonna try this idea and, and tiff will say i'm going to emphasize this syllable and it just we just try so many things i would say it's laborious but enjoyable like it's not it's we is we're not like creating brown sugar in like you know 10 minutes like keith richard says he does like it's like yeah, yeah. years sometimes <laughs> but it, it has to be enjoyable doesn't it yeah yeah we love it the really process does. yeah because yeah. it yeah, is fascinating how everything has to change you want sometimes you change one element and suddenly everybody hears it differently and now you know maybe the whole feel of the song is different so now everybody's hearing it a little bit differently and then everything shifts again so it's it's not straightforward like everything is connected to everything else and that's what we all believe we all recognize that so we're all really prepared to keep shifting things 
no, that's a that's a great that's a great thing. That's a that's what makes being in a group or a band or whatever you you want to call it uh, a wonderful experience um, because you're you're all in it together and you're you're all feeling it together. That's awesome, and it, it comes through in the songs. Good, good songs. Uh, I, I'm I'm digging it. Yeah. What, so so um, KG, KG, do you believe in free will? That, that's an inside joke, everyone. <laughs> Uh, okay. Well, I have read a lot of Sam Harris's writings and on speakings about the subject, so we could have a discussion about that. I'm sure you're aware he says no, but yeah, anyway, yep. we can exactly. Move on. There is no free will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I could expound upon that forever. But instead of wasting everybody's time, um, my, thank you. And, and we'll do this one at a time. Uh, who are your greatest influences musically growing up? Are we starting with Tiffany? Wants to start. Tiffany. I mean, the ladies know what I'm gonna say, but I'm gonna say it anyway. The Babs, Barbara Streisand. Ah. I think the the change in me was when, you know, growing up, musical theater, musicals. You know, I grew up in the South, and you know, it was such a great treat when my mom would bring me up to New York to go see Broadway shows, and seeing Barbara Streisand and Funny Girl. I've wow. got it on DVD, VHS, now digital downloads. And I watch it every couple of months just to get that re-up of Babs. Um, but to see her career, you know, her being such a monolith on the stage and in film, and then also transcend um, what it means to be a vocalist. Um, she, I, I, I can listen to her sing Happy Birthday, The Days of the Week, and it gives me some type of inspiration. And it's not just, you know, kind of, trying to uh, mimic or do anything. It, it's just the freedom. It's the freedom that she expresses and the way in which you can read a song, you can read the lyrics, but if you haven't heard her sing it, you haven't experienced it. And, and I, I just really point. love the authenticity. She's always been. Want, uh, this is how old I am. Uh, I was 12 when Barbara Streisand uh, released her version of Stony End. Uh, yeah, I wasn't quite born yet, but go 19, ahead. 19, yeah, right. 19, early 1971. And, you know, up until then, especially if you were a boy, I mean, Barbara Streisand was just not cool. It, it was your parents' music. And, and literally it was. My, my parents listened to Barbara Streisand all the time. But then Stony End comes on. It's like, wow, this lady's got balls. She can sing. She's <laughs> yeah. cool. So I, I still have a real soft spot for her. Love it. Anyway, uh, who's next? I'll pass to Max. Oh, um, there we go. It's like, um, it's like playing Uno. So I grew up playing the trombone, and I played like the trombone from fifth grade all the way like through high school and in the jazz band and stuff. And for me, my ear has always naturally gone to the bass into the rhythm of a song so i i don't even like so when i hear songs i think about like what is moving the song what is driving the song and usually like a lot of times like those are the bands that that speak to me i don't necessarily like connect to the lyrics or i don't necessarily connect to the voice i i hear i hear the bass half the time I don't even hear the acoustic guitar. So it's like, that's where my ear natural naturally goes. And I think I pull from like a lot of influences. I think like growing up in the Adirondacks in Lake George, we had like great alternative music out of Manchester, Vermont, um, WEQX that played like the best new music. So I got like a lot of great, um, like 90s, not like alternative in the terms of like post grunge alternative, but like Sonic Youth, like the the alternative of the day, like, you know, and then also because it is in the Adirondacks, I got exposed to like tons of classic rock. So I kind of like would be in a place where I would really, really love The Cure and then really, really love Rush. And so I think I was lucky to live in a space where all those like great things 
lived together. You know, I could hate, like be into Edward and Collins and then also be really into like Cheap Trick. And I think I was, I'm, I'm lucky for that. And if you were, if you were sitting right across from one bass player that you could say, show me how you did that, who would that be? Show me how you did that. Who would that be? Yeah. Uh, you get one. I, you get one. One? Well, Paul McCartney. There, there you go. go. Thank you very much. All right. One. Next. <laughs> but he's, the, he's it. He's it. One, one guy, Paul McCartney. Very good. All right. Well, well, I'm a big fan of Margaret already. Very good. Very good. <laughs> Tiffany, <Thank> Paul McCartney? <laughs> Paul McCartney. <laughs> <laughs> so how about you kg what uh what floated your boat in, in um, your youth yeah so similar to margaret um a wide variety of of uh musical styles and bands influenced me and i'd go through different phases um so i definitely i guess a mainstay for me has been Cheap Trick. I'm a massive Cheap Trick fan. So I was a card carrying member of the fan club at one point, number 429. Thank you. Oh, nice. <laughs> so um, I've definitely seen them a zillion times. Um, I was number 430. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I, I also really, yeah, I got into the cure. And I, I still really, you know, early Cure is more of my favorite. Um, I liked a lot of the, the 80s stuff, but it was always the sound of guitar that drew me uh, mm -hmm. to music, um, something about electric guitar in particular. Um, so, yeah, I would go see, you know, Aerosmith and uh, a lot of those, the regular, you know, classic rock bands. Um, went through a heavy era where I listened to nothing but free. <laughs> which all right I, now <laughs> like that vibrato and that's just like blows my mind um so um yeah a lot of a lot of sort of classic rock but then also a lot of the cure but i think robert smith is a really cool um underrated guitar player as well as johnny marr i love all of you know his stylings as well and uh, at what age did you start playing guitar uh, was, was it Not young my uh mid twenties. Wow. Um, because I, never, years ago. I never took music in, in school. Yeah. I didn't have any music classes. Um, and then I, I, I was a, a DJ in college. I bought a lot of records, a lot of, so I was always collecting music. I was obsessed with music and I wrote for fanzines, but I didn't play. And, um, I just kept listening to guitar and I really wanted to play guitar, but I figured I was too old and I was a girl and you couldn't do it. And um, just by accident, went to see Aerosmith at Madison Square Garden and a friend of mine was with me and he bribed the guards and got us backstage. And so I got to go backstage and actually my favorite guitarist in Aerosmith was Brad Whitford. I thought he was the secret sauce. Like I really admired like his styling more than Joe Perry. So I got to talk to Brad Whitford and he mm. was super nice, super gracious. And he talked to me for like half an hour and he encouraged me to go get a guitar and start playing. And he was just so lovely to this, like nobody that I went and bought a guitar two, two weeks later, like the same color ESP guitar that he was playing. So. Wow. That's a cool story. So was that the moment where you decided, yeah, I think I want to be in a band? Um, well, I decided I wanted to play guitar, and then I just answered a crazy ad in the Village Voice and joined a band before I could, you know, when I could barely play any bar chords. <laughs> but, hey, I got in a band. <laughs> got in a band, yeah. You learn by doing. Margaret, Tiffany, when did you decide that you wanted to be in a band or do music? Whichever one go, wants. Go for Margaret, it, Tim. You go first. Oh, Tiffany okay. I'll go first. You go first. Yeah. Um, so I have an older brother who I'm really close with, and he and I used to always joke about getting the band back together. And before, and I always wanted to play bass. I, you know, I 
thought about it because he was a guitar player and I moved to New York City and I had a broken foot and John and I were roommates and John was like, yo, Mags, uh, this is a perfect time to learn an instrument because you're home with a broken foot. Let's go to Guitar Center and buy a bass. So I was like, great idea. So we met at Guitar Center. Yeah, New York on 14th Street. And we hobbled in. And he was like, I just picked out like a sparkly blue um, knockoff to like a music man because I liked the color and it was fun. And a little amp and um, like a book to the blues. And then he and I lived, you know, we were roommates. And so we would just like jam and like work on like little blues progressions from this book that I bought. One night he went out to an art opening, made friends with like a guy who was, he's like great. One of our, ended up being a great friend. And the guy was like, hey, I'm a singer songwriter. And my brother was like, I'm a guitar player. My sister plays the bass. So we were like, let's get, let's make a band. And then um, it was me, the lead singer, my brother, and then my cousin, Michael, was on saxophone and keyboards for a little bit. And we had like a revolving door of drummers. And we played in this band um, called Killing Phantoms for a long time. Um, the lead singer was getting his, he was in his residency as a doctor. So like he, you know, it, it dissolved, but he continued to play on and he still plays, but like, Playing in a band was just, it was just like, I wanted to do it. It wasn't like, it was like, playing an instrument was like, you know, secondary, but being in the band was like primary. That was cool. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. I love it. Yeah. Tiffany? Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of had to just take it back in my head for a little while because I was just like, where did it start? And honestly, I, I mean... I know this is kind of sacrilegious in, in some circles, but I mean, it started with me being a karaoke addict, which I can still say that I am to this day. I can't go past a karaoke bar without being like, maybe for a quick minute. <laughs> but it just kind of started there. And then it was getting asked to kind of hop in on songs and like bands asking, hey, do you know this one? You know, House of the Rising Sun? And it was like, that was kind of like my staple just get brought up on stage and then i had a conversation with a local musician in um in my hometown in rockway beach his name's mikey b and i was like how did you know that this is what you wanted to do and he was like honestly i don't think i ever knew i wanted to be a musician but i found like my band and then with them we kind of figured out what music meant to us and how we were going to perform and what was my role in that? And he went from being lead guitarist to lead singer. And he's like, you just gotta find your band. You gotta find your tribe. And I wasn't looking for it. But then when Sal introduced me to these ladies, I was like, oh, this is this is some cosmic stuff right here. And I was like, okay. I was like, this is my band. I've never had like a band that has been like, I am a part of it. And so this is my first one. and. We're going to be here for a long time, um, but I, I love it. I absolutely uh, Do you remember the first time you actually performed? Um, and this is for all, all three ladies. Like the first time, this is this is it. I'm, I'm getting up here and I'm performing. Not just like at somebody's barbecue in the backyard where you picked up a guitar or something, but you were on, you were on stage and you're on. Um, hello. This is a second call. Don't they know what, what I'm doing? Yeah. Do you remember that, Tiffany? Were there nerves? Yeah. Honestly, I, I think mine was the Irish Festival in Rockaway Beach where I, oh. I met Salmeda. Like the first time I was on like a real stage and not right. a Rockaway backyard. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Margaret, were the were the fingers a little little tight the first time you had to uh, kick it off? No, because I was drunk. <laughs> so, come on. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great title for your autobiography. No, because I was drunk. Yeah. <laughs> we are like, now it's a sober stage. But like back then, it was, you know, we'd, we'd all play. My brother and I would get in a 
fight at some point. Like there, someone was getting a fist fight in the audience. It was just like mayhem. And then it would be like, it's like, why are we drunk at the show? We don't drink in rehearsal. It's like. <laughs> Sounded good to us. <laughs> Not now. Now it's like, oh my goodness! Like if yeah. I even if I even breathe alcohol, I'll like, like I'll be playing like the fifth string of a four string bass. Like it's like, what am I doing? So you're saying if you were if you had a tape recording of that first that first night and you put it in right now, you'd go, what the hell was that? <laughs> yeah, more like the first like five years. <laughs> Like, okay, maybe I need to dry up a little bit. KG, <laughs> uh, remember your moment? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, it was it was a doozy. I had um, I'd started, you know, I joined this band from an ad in The Voice, and, you know, we were busy rehearsing away, trying to get through, you know, Ramon's covers and what have you. Um, and I got married, and we had our reception at this club in the East Village called Continental Divide. It doesn't exist anymore. So the first time I got on stage was at my reception party. We had this great band called The Senders that played. And then later my singer um, was, was drunk and she comes up to me because she goes, let's play, let's play, let's play. And I was like, oh God, in front of everyone I know, like I've never played in front of anybody before. And then I noticed that the drummer had left already because this was towards the end of the night. And I was like, well, you know, drummer isn't here. We can't do it. And she goes, if I find a drummer, will you do it? And I was like, yeah, sure. Because I was like, that's not going to happen. <laughs> and then she says, I got us a drummer. Let's we're going to get up and play a few songs. And so the first time I got up on stage was with Jerry Nolan on drums because somebody had brought him and we got up. He's the uh, drummer for the New York Dolls. Right. For anybody who doesn't know. Um, and so I got up there with my guitar first time on stage and I looked behind me at Jerry Nolan and uh, we're going to do one of our originals, which he had never heard before. And it was really sort of fast. And I turned around and I go, this song is really fast. OK. And he had a cigarette and he's like, fast. We <laughs> proceeded to play really slow, but um, it was it was very memorable. Yes. An opposite that thing you do moment. Yeah, that thing you do. <laughs> it's too fast. <laughs> this was too slow. Uh, I know. I kept going like, could you pick it up? So I have to ask this, and you know, it's not the most it may not bring back the most pleasant memories, but still it's something that, you know. It's it's certainly relevant to any woman who comes up in this rock and roll world. Um, did you did you ever face any derision from male musicians? Uh, you know, being female rockers, like you shouldn't be doing this. You're not good enough. You know, the usual you know male insecurity stuff. Um, I thought this show was only an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Like, well, I knew the answer was yes, but I, yeah. I, I had to be polite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is where we just edit it, and then yeah. we, and, and everybody's doing this. <laughs> part the part two. Yeah. 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 Uh, just in general, what 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 did you face? I mean, it. For I mean, for me as a singer, I, I think it's definitely a little bit different um, with not yeah. playing instrument. But uh, I mean, I had, you know, oh, can you come and perform with us? Can you do these songs with us? And I'm like, yeah, and I'm practicing and practicing. And then I go up and it's just comments about, oh, isn't she looking nice? Yeah, you know, she doesn't even have to sing. She could just stand up here and, and we'll, we'll make the gate. And it, it's just like kind of just comments about, you know, the reason I was there was not because of my ability. The reason I was there was because I was an audience draw or I was uh, just kind of eye candy for people to come, you know, visit with. And it, it just kind of, you know, broke it down a little bit for me because I, I was like, that's not really who I, I am. That's not how I necessarily see myself um, as kind of an object. And I don't want to be objectified to do something that I love. Um, so it was just a lot of that. And then also, you know, recognizing as Mag said that we're a dry stage, 
Um, I've definitely been in um, some male fronted bands and I've, you know, done backup and it's just, it's just, honestly, it's not as fun as just some two powerhouse females and we're just hanging out talking about life and we can have real conversations and make amazing music. We're not drunk and it's just, we can focus on why we're there. What's the purpose of this? And yeah. Yeah. I enjoy that. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, very introspective right now. She's oh. KG then. <laughs> <laughs> No, I get. I, I just wanted to follow up real quick, Tiffany. That you know, that there's a lot of people that do, and male and female, that do not like a female vocalist in front of a band, no matter what's going on, and mm -hmm. they'll have those prejudices uh, right off the bat. Um, so there, there, I think I think there's a little uphill struggle sometimes, um, especially if you're playing you know, pop music, rock music, uh, whatever it may be. Um, you don't have a whole lot of Pat Benatars and such in the world, uh, mostly male dominated. So, um, people have to get over the stigma that this is, that this is the voice, um, that everything else, the objectivity doesn't, doesn't come into play, but, um, well, like, I think people like what they like. So like, there's an element of that, but I think that women are held to, from my experience, um, held to like a higher standard. So, there's like a guy can come in and like pick up a Les Paul, which is like, in my opinion, a very forgiving guitar and just like put in a bunch of effects, bunch of vibrato, a bunch of like overdrive and be like, look at this awesome killer shreddy guitar. And then it's like, wow, that's so great. But the women have to have like the tone has to be perfect. The note selection has to be perfect. It has to be interesting. It's getting judged on so many other things than just like the like the guy with like the attitude and the guitar and the Marshall, you know, stack and just like being like, look, I'm the cool rock guy. Mm -hmm. And the same thing with the bass. It's like, it's like how's her hand positioning her note selection like are her knuckles collapsed you know it's just like is she playing up and down the neck what was that solo like it's there's so much more to be critiqued and then on top of it like there's that fine line about like being like pre presenting yourself on how you see yourself but you still want to be feminine. You still want to, it's still a show. You still want to put on, you know, you don't really necessarily want to wear a burlap sack. Like David Bowie was theatrical. Like this is music. Like there's an element of theatrics. So it's like, are the theatrics, is your outfit like um, taking away, distracting from what you're doing? Are you getting judged for the right thing, the wrong thing? So I don't know. I think everyone has opinions. You get, off the stage somebody says you know what would be really good if you did this this and this you know what like i don't really care what you think would be really good like how about you just say like good job great to see you like awesome whatever like i don't care if you think i should play like this bass or that bass like irrelevant yeah irrelevant yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a fine line between the fact that it's show business and uh and you're doing what you're doing and um uh, uh, yeah, but, but everybody has to find their own, their own thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's very cool. That's very you know, cool. I, I hope, you know, you know, I, I, I tend to use adjectives to describe your beauty and I'm just trying to be playful. It, uh, I, I mean, while, yeah, I mean, certainly it, I can't, and, and I'm sure I speak for a lot of men when, you know, we say it's certainly a, a value added, but it never, in, in choosing bands for IPO, for example, what women look like has never have never been a factor. I mean, often I hear music not knowing, you know, the the physical appearance of who's doing it, um, and um, so yeah. I mean, first and foremost, you're all very very talented uh, musicians, songwriters, singers. That's why you've played IPO. That's why anybody plays IPO, male, female, or what. So, uh, just so you know. Um, I hope you don't mind when I when I do use those words because I'm not trying to diminish you in any way. Oh, David, you're <laughs> harmless. Don't worry. 
I don't know if I want to hear that I'm harmless. He says that as his wife has a knife in his back right now. Uh, oh, hi, Rena. I just want to come in and say hi. Hi, Rena. Oh, honey, I didn't even know you were here. Yeah, I just <laughs> <laughs> so so why sly boots where does where does sly boots come from well it came from a word a day actually that was on my phone because uh, uh we had been uh discussing band names at one point and you know that's really hard people you know sure. bands break up before they even form if they can't find a name that everyone can agree on um i've seen that happen so yeah, we kept going through lists of things and, you know, a bunch of people, some people like this name, other people hated it, blah, blah, blah. So this one came up and, you know, seemed to fit and nobody said no. <laughs> so it worked it's out. one word. It's not two words. It's one well, word. I was going to be a follow up question. It, it is one word. It's yeah. sly boots. Yeah, it's a fairly archaic word. It's It's old, but, you know. And what, and what is the what is the meaning of one word sly boots? Do we have a meaning? What's that? Do we have a meaning for the for one word sly boots? Is that is that? Uh, it's sort of one who is it's engaging in a sort of mischievous kind of way, kind of a you know, but endearing too. Endearing. Yeah. Yeah. Describes your stage persona, so that's <laughs> yeah. So we try for. Well, very good. I doubt, see, he learned something. I thought it was two words. So, there oh, actually oh. was a two-word sly, sly boots from the 70s. I think I showed KG a picture uh, yeah. of the album. Yeah. Yeah, and I think there's uh, there's another sly boots out there, you know, but you you know that it's not us because they have all these, like, heavy metal boots on all their <laughs> stuff. So if you see that, that's not us. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, what, what's... Uh, What's the uh, near future hold for Sly Boots? Are you looking at uh, uh, playing out uh, more as the pandemic kind of allows uh, such things? Yeah, we're hoping to get together and to play, work on some more new material. We have a couple of songs that we're going to release, hopefully, over the summer. So, uh, And then always hoping to record some more. You got you guys are physically located near each other in uh, some of the boroughs uh, of New York? All right, you're not you're not too long distance, okay? Yeah, so well, we know how to make it work. Our rehearsal space is you know close to uh, authority, so. Oh, okay. All right, good. Uh, do you do you guys often get do you often get young girls, young women come up to you and say, you know, you're really been an inspiration for us? We, you know, we're thinking of starting a band. I don't know that young women start bands anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, well, yeah, young nobody starts a band anymore. Yeah, we get more. I get more of like, like I would love if we had more young women come to come to our shows, but um, it's usually the people that like our music are like, my daughter might want to start a band. Oh uh, yeah, right. <laughs> or like. Can you give my 12-year-old bass lessons? I would <laughs> love if we had like more like you know just like younger people <laughs> coming out to see our shows. Are you, you gonna have to play the high school auditoriums and the all-age shows at the uh at the soda only venues? Uh I guess. Uh do those even exist anymore? I remember being in middle school and having these touring bands and things come come through and they would do We'd have you know the the auditorium filled, and they'd say this afternoon we've got morning sun or whatever. And you know when you were when you're in eighth grade, you sat there going, "Oh my God, this is this is awesome. This is a real band," you know. And even though they were just a cover band doing all kinds of songs at the time, um, no, was, I honestly you know, think that if it was you Gary Como and Andy Williams and those kind of <laughs> if you played in front of, if you played in front of younger people, I honestly think they would dig you. Um, I've, I've heard from other bands who have done that, even though young people aren't necessarily into rock and roll these days. If you feed it to them and you're good at it, I really think they would like you a lot. So you ought to, as Mark said, you ought to think about playing in front of uh, in, in those kind of venues. I really think they'd like you. Or the outdoor all ages thing. Right. That yeah. They, you know, yeah. Those kind yeah. of people come to. Yeah. Do you do a whole lot on social media uh, or are you planning on it? I mean, I've seen the band camp. I've seen some of the YouTube 
things, uh, but I don't know. I don't know if you're big on the Instagram or or the whatever it is uh, flavor of the of the week. Uh, uh, <laughs> type We're not of on TikTok, but yeah, we are on Instagram. <laughs> no what, what's, what's, what's TikTok? You don't want to know, David. I, you I, know. You've got your watch on, David. I've I seen it, but I have, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you know. When I was younger, I said, you know what? I'm never going to become one of those old people that, that loses touch with kids. And, you know, I'll always be able to relate to them. Yeah, right. <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, I, I, that's great. Well, I, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, some, some new things coming from Sly Boots. I'm going to say it quickly as one word. <laughs> Uh, we, we, have, you, have you thought about, uh, you know, now that the pandemic, things are hopefully winding down, have you thought about touring, maybe going to other countries? We've yeah. thought about it, yeah. If we get that opportunity, yeah, absolutely. We'd, we'd love it. Um, but as you know, the world is a little unstable right now. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, you always have an, you have an open invitation to IPO Liverpool. Oh, thank awesome. you. Thank we're, you. We're finally getting it going again in, in May. And uh, yeah, I have some, yeah, I know. I, I Well, you know, th things are definitely easing up. A as of a month ago, you still had to, uh, to get into the country, you had to have a negative COVID test. And once you got there, you had to take one mm -hmm. and it had to be negative or, you know, or you had to quarantine. And you had to prepay before they let you out of, the, before you could book your airfare they made you prepay for a covid test to get into the country at a ridiculous price like 70 some odd pounds per test crazy wow. now they're wow. hopefully making that go no away. it is it is a way uh, i i looked online and that stuff's all gone now you we won't have to test when we get there wow. <laughs> i i also think um by the end of the summer we'll have five songs released and that's like a real solid body of work so it's been kind of, you know, it's it's hard to book um, yeah. things with just only three songs released, but with five songs released, it's a it's a lot more. And then, you know, we'll have more songs. It will have been in the studio, you know, by the time those other two are released. So we'll have like more songs coming down the pipe. So we're just really focusing on the yeah. a body of work. And then, but to answer your question, yes, we do want to do it all. Yeah. Well, I think also, uh, pandemic-wise, uh, so many venues that uh, you could possibly play have closed, uh, sadly. Sad, very sad. Uh, as, as I've told a lot of people who lament uh, their favorite restaurants closing down or whatnot, I said, you know, there's going to be new places opening up. But, you know, I feel bad for those that you know, lost what they had during the pandemic. But the hope is, and you're already seeing it, you're seeing new places pop up where the old places were. And hopefully venues, music, live music venues will be uh, kind of following up in that same kind of thing when people can get out. And as you said, Margaret, you know, work on, you know, five originals. And once you, once you get a few more, then all of a sudden you've got uh, a set where you could be in a three or four band, um, you know, venue and, and play play a 40 minute, 45 minute set of, of all your own stuff, uh, mm -hmm. uh, which is something that, you know, is going to be necessary to do. But uh, of course, if you get down in Philadelphia area, I'm only right down the turnpike, not even that far. Okay. Let, me, yeah. let me know. Let me know. Not, not I've only got, I've got yet. David's credit card. We'll go out to eat. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's maxed. Sorry. Not only new venues, but, but, uh, Places that weren't venues are becoming that. Like there's this club in LA called Flying Embers that's been a brewery for many years. And now they've decided to, to add a music space. And uh, in fact, they have a sister a venue in Boston that we used for IPO last year. And it's, there's, it's still in its infancy with respect to being a venue. Um, they had to rent a bunch of equipment and everything, but it went great. So we're really looking forward to the, it's cool because when you're at the LA one, you're playing, you can see the big vats of beer uh, in the other room. So it's a really cool vibe. So we're very much looking forward to that. But yeah, that's the kind of stuff that's happening, um, you know, uh, as a result of the pandemic. So yeah, there are, you know, I, I, 
I won't get into this, but you know, there are some minor silver linings to the really awful situation. Yeah, yeah, and like I was, I was saying, um, I think that this summer is is going to really open things up. I know everybody's really eager to get out there and see more shows. I know that we're planning to go out and see some more music and uh, be able to do more things outdoors and explore more. So uh, yeah, everybody's really looking forward to getting out there and, and getting things going a lot more. And hopefully, you know, come the fall, things are still good and we can get back on track. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully I want to thank the world figures itself out. And uh, I, I want to thank you again for coming out and playing IPO in New York last November. I'm so oh, that was so fun. That was so fun. Our, our, Arlene, unfortunately, created a very safe environment for everybody. Yeah, and that meant a lot. Yeah, indeed. it was magical. It was like a this this brief like pocket in time where <laughs> suddenly it all, everything felt like everything was okay again for yeah. one shiny. It moment. really did. It really, really did. Yeah, the, the only difference is, you know, to walk into any indoor space, okay, here's my Vax card, I'm good. Yeah. That's good. Uh, indeed, indeed. Yeah. Well, ladies, thank you so much uh, for joining us here in Material Issues. Uh, this has been a blast. Uh, it really has. I, 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 As I said, I talked to David earlier, you know, last few days. I'm like, I don't really know Sly Boots that well. I know some of the songs, but it's been a pleasure getting to know all three of you. Um, I can I can see why it works. You get along great, um, and the music evolves out of out of that collaboration and partnership. And you know, best wishes to you uh, uh, with more new music and down the road. And I look forward to seeing you live in in, in the near future because uh, we're not that far away. I'm just uh, I'm just a little bit further south here. It's all great. Yeah, thank That'll you. Great. Thank you, Mark. I'll, I'll take I'll take a little bit off the credit card so you can have a little bit of fun, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Thank you so much. Uh, I'm spending it all on uh, on dog food and chewies right now. Uh, <laughs> I feel that. But yeah, we're very much. Rena and I are, are very much looking forward to seeing you all again, uh, to playing again, to all the new music. Yeah, thank you all very much for coming on. Ladies, have a great night. Uh, David and I are going to uh, do our sign-offs, but uh, be happy, be healthy, be safe, and we will see you soon. Sly Boots! Thank, One you. Day. Thank you so much. Good night. Good night. Good night. All right, well, that was fun. David, yeah, that, that was, was fantastic. Fun. That was yeah, wonderful. Good, good call on a very talented band. Yeah. yeah. No, they them. are. And uh, it, you know, you've got to see them live to um, for it to fully be done justice. So well, that's yeah, all my hopefully they'll start well. playing this, you know, by the fall, as, as KG mentioned. Yeah. Uh, hopefully they'll be out and about and you'll be able to see them. And hopefully we'll have them back at IPO New York in November. And um, and then in Liverpool, in Liverpool, in Liverpool someday. Yeah. yeah, next year. That would be awesome. Yeah, yeah they they do well in Liverpool. Yes, yes indeed. So uh, speaking of the future. What do we got going on the next uh, we got the next uh, month and a half, two months almost completely booked on this material issues. Every oh, no, I don't have the page. Uh, I don't have the right page here. So, well, I'm going to tell you I didn't do, but I think I remember some of it. Next week is I believe. The drummer yes, here we go. Next week, we've got drummer extraordinaire. He played on on Paul and Linda McCartney's Ram, then became a full-fledged member of Wings and played on Wildlife. He's still going strong. Um, he's he's done some a lot of session work um, recently. And we, we know he's going to have some great stories. Denny Sywell, nice. drummer extraordinaire on Material Issues, next Wednesday, March 30th. And then the following two weeks, we're going to have some baseball players. Well, former baseball players, um, and uh, we're—I mean, both Mark and I are huge baseball fans, so we're really looking forward to that. On April sixth, we have Cy Young Award winner, pitcher extraordinaire, um, who got who definitely got himself into a few minor controversies, um, but uh, he's still—you know—he—he's a lot of fun and a great speaker. We're very glad to have Blackjack McDowell. Nice. Um, on material issues. 
on April 6th. And then the following week, we have an outfielder who played for the Yankees and Texas Rangers. And he was a Yankees announcer for many years. Uh, he's a he's a very he's a, a very interesting guy, and we're looking forward to having Billy Sample nice. on yeah. April thirteenth. So we're yeah. going to get both the pitching and the hitting uh, fielding perspective, <laughs> and, and we'll be asking them a lot about you know what they think about today's game. Yeah, that, the that could be an interesting little circle we got going on. Yeah, steroids era. I mean, McDowell did pitch a little bit in that. Uh, sample was done before yeah. before that happened. But yeah, we'll get their views on those things. Yeah. Uh, on April twentieth, we have musician, you know, really fine singer songwriter, and of course the daughter of one of pop music's greatest icons, Carol King, and Jerry Goffin. Yep. Her husband with whom, you know, she wrote so many great tunes in, in the 60s. And, of course, Carol King with Tapestry and all her other albums. Uh, but her daughter uh, re has released several fine records in her own right, including one uh, only a year ago. And, um, yeah, she's a very engaging lady. We'll be having Louise Goffin on cool. April 20th on Material Issues. And very then cool. we'll... Uh, we'll let Mark uh, talk about who we have on April 27th. April 27th, yeah. Uh, early to mid-70s power pop uh, band out of Virginia that uh, really was like regionally pretty huge throughout uh, Virginia, D.C., into Pennsylvania, Cleveland, the Agora Ballroom. They would sell out all the time. Um, four fantastic albums. I'm a huge fan, but two of the original members of Artful Dodger, bass player Steve Cooper and lead singer Billy Palacelli, are both going to join us on April 27th to talk about um, really a, a great, not only power pop tracks, but they had some great anthem kind of tracks, um, ballads, power ballads. Um, just a big fan. So I'm looking forward to Artful Dodger. On the 27th. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, be great. They're a band who, I, I have to admit, back in the day, I kind of discounted uh, because I thought they were, you know, totally hard rock. I didn't re um, their, you know, their album covers kind of give that impression. So, yeah. and, you know, back in the day, and I'm sure you did this too, sometimes you would buy an album just based upon the way the cover looked, the song titles, you know, the way they, the, the band members looked. What what kind of instruments they played? Yep. The Artful Dodger kind of screamed hard rock to me, and you know, while I while I didn't mind hard rock, I wasn't a huge fan of it. So I never bought any of their records back then. It was yep. only through the power pop community that I learned that hey, some of their stuff is just pure power pop. And uh, now yeah, I, I think, own, now I own several of their records. I, I think they were kind of lumped in there uh, because of the the thing the songs that were released as singles, many of them were very anthem arena rock sounding big right. you know uh, but when you get into all the the deeper cuts all of a sudden you know th these guys had a, a great pop sensibility and could write great pop songs it just those weren't the songs that that were you know uh, projecting them in, into into a bigger uh, right. crowd so uh, that, that's kind of why but yeah we'll be glad to have them and um yeah as usual irons in the fire we'll we'll I would imagine that by next week we'll be able to announce at least one, if not, if not more, may guests on material issues. So Excellent. yeah, we're you know onward and upward, as they say. Episode forty-five. Episode uh, forty-five. Forty-five RPM. Uh, forty-five <laughs> RPM uh, episode. Well, make sure that you uh, join the group here on Facebook. Tell your friends to uh, join the group. All we do is notify you who's coming up next week. We don't send a lot of spam. You go over to YouTube at materialissues.com and hit subscribe and join there. And all the archives. This is episode 44 we're finishing up. So there's 44 episodes if you're taking a long plane ride after you've shown the Vax card, like Rena said. You can now binge material issues on facebook and on youtube uh my friend it's been great another great episode absolutely you know, always enjoyable always i always look forward to it outstanding i look forward to it when i happen to be not at work <laughs> and yeah, you know, unfortunately unfortunately rena's had back issues the last yeah. uh, couple of weeks hope you're feeling uh, better um, 
you know, she's going to be doing some physical rehab starting next week. And, you know, hopefully that all goes well. Yeah. And, you know, she's able to work from home. Um, but she has a little bit of a break in between right uh, phone calls right now. So she came in to join us, which is nice. Nice. Thank you, honey. All right. All right, my friends. Everybody stay happy, stay healthy, stay yeah, hold, hold on, Mark. So, 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 so question, since it's puppy day, the uh, whole time we've been talking, have you had any interested parties saying they want to adopt the latest foster pup? Yeah, the, there's applications coming in as we speak. Uh, awesome. She couldn't she couldn't uh, be officially put up for adoption until we got the word today because she went to the veterinarian yesterday. Clean bill of health as far as eyes, ears, teeth, body, heart, listening. But the blood work had to come back today, and she's heartworm negative. You know, and anything that could be wrong blood work-wise is nothing wrong. So she's as healthy as can be. So we, she just officially hit the website One Love Rescue, One Love Rescue out of uh, Belmar, New Jersey, and uh, we've already got people interested. Yes, which is wonderful. That, 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 that's great that we're you know kind of public service puppy yeah. day thing. Puppy day, puppy day, biscuit day. Thank you, Rita, for asking. Yeah, she is a sweetheart. Yes, I, we can tell. Yeah, I love her. No. All right. Well, anyway, go back to joining uh, Biscuit and Chez and um, time for a long walk. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see you again next week. Everyone, thank you so much for listening as always. All right. Good night, everybody.